Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 343 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. With the NBA season being over, the focus now is shifted to the NBA draft. And with every draft, the it's so important because this is the time. This is pretty much the start of the, uh, the 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 opportunity to drastically change the fortunes of your team's future. You know, you're able to get young players and you, you hear about a lot of teams moving up in the draft, moving down. Like this is the time where teams are focused on building. Teams are focused on trying to build for the future. And with this, you hear a lot about trades. You hear about maybe star players that aren't on good teams or you hear about, you know, how is X team going to move up in the draft? It's just it's there's a lot of movement or a, a lot of a lot of rumors, a lot of possibility for your team to change. And one of the biggest names that you're hearing in this year's circuit as far as could be on the move is Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, who was the former number one overall draft pick, of course, plays for the Pelicans. He's had a litany of injuries, but when healthy, Zion Williamson has proven to be one of the best players in basketball when healthy. And... The biggest reason for this story and the biggest, I guess you can say, indictment against Zion Williamson is that when healthy part. I've talked about this before, but you're seeing it pick you're you're seeing the Zion Williamson could be traded from New Orleans story pick up steam. It's it's been said time and time again, but your best of your best ability is availability. Again, I've said when Zion Williamson is on the floor, when Zion Williamson is healthy, when he is engaged, when he is playing basketball for the New Orleans Pelicans, he is one of the best players in basketball. Zion Zion Williamson last season, even though he didn't play that much, but the 2022-2023 season, he averaged 26 points a game, seven rebounds, and and pretty much five assists while shooting 61% from the field. As a person, it's and he's not—he's not a center. He's—he's he's a forward. But and 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 you're asking yourself. A lot of people ask themselves, why Zion? Why would Zion be the the name that is thrown out there in trade talks for a draft pick? Now, I'm not going to go into detail about all the off the field or off the court noise and news that has been surrounding Zion this year I'm I'm not going to it, it's look it's none of my business it's really not anybody's business but what I will say about that is I've said before and it's been said before that a team is going to tolerate a lot of off the court off the field issues if you're producing at a high level on the court 
when we have you and your production is high, you will continue to get second chances. You'll continue to get opportunities because you're a good you're a good player. Now, I for sure will never compare what Zion Williamson's what's happening to, with him off the court compared to what happened with Deshaun Watson off the field. But where the comparisons lie is with everything that happened with Deshaun Watson off the field, he still received one of the highest or if not the most guaranteed money in NFL history with the Browns. Now, again, I'm not comparing what Zion Williamson did off the court to what or what's going on with Zion Williamson off the court to what's going on with Deshaun Watson off the field. But what I'm saying is, if you are productive, if you're a really good player, you're you're going to get second chance. You're going to get chance after chance after chance. And where is this tying into Zion? Because Zion Williamson doesn't have nearly the doesn't really have any detrimental off the court situations. But Zion Williamson, since 2019 when he was drafted, has missed more games than he's played due to injury. Now, I know that you can't predict injury. You know, it, it happens to everyone. It's 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 everyone gets hurt you can't predict it but one thing that you can do is try your hardest to prevent it and one way that you can prevent it is keeping your body clean and keeping your body healthy when you're playing at an all-time level when you're playing professional sports your body and i talk about this a lot with russell wilson and lebron james because there's always stories about how much money they put into recovery they put into their body they put into just keeping their body in tips top shape, which is why you're seeing LeBron playing as long as he's been playing. Your body for an athlete is your income. And while, yes, you can't, injuries happen on an everyday basis, but you can do your best to prevent that. And when we talk about Zion Williamson and his weight, it doesn't seem like he has done the best at preventing these injuries when we talk about a lot of his a lot of you know coming into camp looking out of shape and and one thing that somebody said I don't remember who said it but you basketball isn't you, you to when you're playing basketball you're not playing basketball to get into shape you're playing basketball to stay in shape that's two different things I think they were talking about James Harden Zion Williamson's injuries, a lot of times you can you can contribute it to his lack of attention to his weight. Now, there's been multiple times where we've seen Zion Williamson come come into the season or we've seen pictures or we've seen video and he looks healthy, he looks spry. But there's a reason why a majority of his injuries are lower body. I think the last injury was a hamstring injury. And then when, when when we talk about the Pelicans could possibly trade for Zion Williamson, the only 
to you know to get more draft compensation what you have to ask yourself is usually they are generate there's maybe one or two generational players in a draft maybe one in fact it's very rare that there's more than one generational players like how do i say this like if we talk about this year's draft, there seems like there's really only one generational player, and that's Victor Wimanyama, which is why when the San Antonio Spurs won the first overall pick, there was absolutely no doubt who was going to be picked. I know there's like, oh, it could be him. No. There was no doubt it was Victor Wimanyama. It's going to be Victor Wimanyama, and it doesn't matter because we're hearing stories about, you know, Victor maybe might not play uh, might not participate in the summer league and stuff, but it's, it's going to be Victor. Now, there are also players in this draft that could be very beneficial to a team, like Scoot Henderson, uh, Brandon Miller, the Twins. But there's really only one player in this draft that a lot of people assume are going to be generational talents or are, is going to be a generational talent, and that is Victor Wimanyama. But when you're trading some, when you're, when you're discussing or, or when there's a possibility that you can trade somebody like a Zion Williamson, you have to get the, the person, the, the compensation or the, the player or the draft pick that you're going to get has to be, has to hit. Cause this is a, this is a, a, a franchise-changing move if it happens. You're trading a former number one overall player who, again, when healthy, which is the primitive term in this, situ- in this situation, gives you 26 points a game on 61% shooting. I think it's 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 I, I don't know. Obviously, I have no connects. I have no sources, but it just seems like if you're going to, because they're saying that they're they're, they're the stories and, and rumors are that the Pelicans would trade up to try to get Scoot Henderson. And don't get me wrong, Scoot Henderson's cool, but I just don't know if he's a generational player. If he's a generational changing player, and or franchise, let me say, franchise-changing player. And what we've seen for when Zion Williamson is healthy is he is that. Now, the and I've talked about this before. I think I talked about this when we were talking about Kawhi Leonard. I think we're at a point, now I know Zion Williamson's career is still young. I mean, he got drafted in 2019. But we're at a point where I don't know if you can expect Zion to play majority of the season. Because we haven't seen it. And a lot of that is because of, of course, his his weight troubles. Now, it's it's give give credit where credit is due. Zion Williamson, again, there have been multiple videos, multiple pictures where he looks like he's healthy. He looks like he's in shape. But that has to continue throughout the offseason and, and going into the season. Because if not... You're going to continue to deal with a player that, as talented as he is, 
is not always available because of injury. I myself wouldn't trade Zion Williamson for, you know, the the possibility of getting Scoot Henderson in the draft. I think Scoot Henderson is incredible playing in the G League right now. I think his upside is 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 sky high. But I but I've seen Zion Williamson. We've seen Zion Williamson play basketball at the highest level and look like one of the top 10 players in the in the NBA when healthy. But this is also an indictment on Zion Williamson and his lack of consistency as far as availability being on the court. Because I don't think, I mean, when you see the numbers that he's putting them, I don't think that this would even be a question if Zion Williamson was available. Would he, I don't think his name would be on the trade box because he's that good. But we will definitely just have to see how it goes or what happens. But me personally, I I wouldn't trade Zion Williamson because of I don't I think even at his height, even at his best, I don't think Scoot Henderson is going to be on the same level as Zion Williamson. And Scoot has the possibility to be an incredible basketball player. They're saying shades of Russell Westbrook just with a better jump shot. And we know Russ I mean Russell Westbrook is on the all NBA. 70 or 75 list so but even still even with all that i would not trade zion williamson for the possibility of drafting scoot henderson but if i was zion williamson i would look hard in the mirror and say hey bro there's a reason why my name like out of all the potential stars or stars in the NBA, there's a reason why my name is in the trade talk. And again, while I am not saying what what Zion Williamson did was or what Zion Williamson is doing off the court is bad or detrimental in any way, shape, or form, it's his personal business. But when that's starting to become or when that is the story around Zion Williamson right now. And you can't really lean on, well, I'm available all the time on the basketball court because you're not. It, it, it Teams don't want to deal with that. At all. At all. That's just noise. And while Zion Williamson's game is louder than the noise that we're hearing right now his availability is not and that is one of the biggest reasons in my opinion why you're hearing zion williamson's name being involved in possible trade talks speaking of trade talks something that probably should have been been happening seems like it is it's it's coming to fruition sooner than later at this point and that is Bradley Bill possibly getting traded from the Washington Wizards now 
I am not one to sit here and say I'm always for a a pl- star player getting trade. Like, why would you trade a star player? I under, I I've been on record in saying if you have a star player, you keep that star player, and you try everything in your power to build a team, a, an adequate team around said star player. And for, people know me, know that I'm a Wizards fan. I'm from the Maryland. D.C. Maryland area um, I grew up a Wizards fan I am a Wizards fan It's been it's been tough I, I think I put a short out about a couple days ago It's tough being a Wizards fan But that is me But one of the biggest reasons why I said That this should This probably should have happened A good number of years ago Is because Sometimes you can see you can see clear as day the ceiling for a player and a team. And a lot of times that ceiling is not a championship caliber ceiling. And there are there are there are sometimes where the ceiling isn't as high as you think. Or isn't even as high as playoffs or or second round of the playoffs. The Washington Wizards have have been in this been in this group. A group that you never want to end up in in sports. And that is the middle of the pack. You never want to end up in the middle of the pack because you're too good to have a high draft pick. Which and we just talked about with Zion Williamson. If you're not that good, you want to try to at least be closer to the to the you know number one spot in the draft, so you can possibly have a better shot of getting those generational talents or franchise changing talents. So Washington has has been too good of a team to be be a part of that conversation, but they're nowhere close. And being in that championship caliber, uh, high round caliber team. Like when we think about the Boston Celtics, who who last year made it to the NBA Finals, they lost. This year made it to the conference finals, lost. But you can see their ceiling is at least the NBA Finals. Or another team that their ceiling might not be the NBA Finals, but their ceiling is playoff. The um, let's go with the let's go with the 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 Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls ceiling is at least we don't think they're a championship caliber team, but their ceiling is at least the playoffs. Now, yes, they didn't make the playoffs this year; they made the play in. But you know, the playoffs has pretty much been there. The Toronto Raptors, boom. The Toronto Raptors ceiling, ever since Kawhi Leonard has been gone, has, you know, left, has pretty much been playoffs or you know, first second round of the playoffs. No one thinks they're a championship team, but the Washington Wizards have aren't even in that conversation. They might be able to be in the plan, but they 
they haven't been in that, oh, well, the Wizards could do this. No. They've just been middle of the pack. You see that the, the, the Minnesota Vikings are middle of a pack team. No. No. Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings have pretty much been a middle of the pack team. Um, the, the Mariners, Seattle Mariners have been a middle of the pack team. Uh, what's a hockey team? That's middle of the pack. Probably the, I mean, at least, no, probably the, hell, maybe the, the, the Capitals now. Middle of the pack. Washington's ceiling has been middle of the pack for a while now. And, and, and another thing about ceilings is, they're stealing their ceilings on stars. Like we know the ceiling for for LeBron James is obviously NBA championship. We know the ceiling for Nikola Jokic is obviously NBA championship. We know the ceiling for Kevin Durant is obviously NBA championship. Steph Curry championship. We know the ceiling for maybe a Jason Tatum could possibly be the championship since he's been there. We know, and you know, even with that ceiling, another way to describe it is there are stars that you know you can build a championship caliber team around. And then there are stars that you know are very good, but might not be an A player. And that is where the Washington Wizards and Bradley Bill have found themselves for a couple years now, for, for a good number of years now. Bradley Bill is a good player. He's a great player. He's a great scorer. He he is he's one of the best mid-range shooters and and his ability to cut and get to the rim is he is a great player. But Bradley Bill, in my opinion, is not one of those players that you can build a team around. He is a good second option. He's a great third option. I think if he is a second or third option, your team is possibly a championship caliber team. If he is your first option, you're not. So while the Washington Wizards have tried to build their team around Bradley Bill, they've been trying to build their team around a player that isn't a championship caliber player. And don't get me wrong. That's no, I know it sounds crazy, but that's no offense to Bradley Bill. That's just how it is. The Indianapolis Pacers tried to build their team around Paul George, the height of Paul George. And while the height of Paul George before the injury was a really good player, he was not a player that was good enough to build your team around and be a championship caliber team. Hell, he even came out and said that he's not an he's not a one. He might be a two or a three, which. I've never really heard someone come out and say that, but hey. <laughs> so we're at this point now where Bradley Bill, which we should have been a couple years ago, but we're at this point now where Bradley Bill, who got a new contract, who has a no trade clause, and has the ability to pretty much dictate his own trade and who he gets traded to and, and the compensation that Washington gets through the 
dealings of his contract, which is something else you never really heard of. Bradley Bill is more than likely going to get traded sooner than later. And you're hearing a bunch of teams. You're hearing the the Bucks. You're hearing the Heat. You're hearing Golden State. You're hearing a lot of teams that could possibly be in the in the talks of of acquiring Bradley Bill's talents. Uh and what's even worse about or the worst part about this situation, for the Wizards at least, is Bradley Bill is a depreciating asset because, not because of his talent, but because everyone knows that everyone can see the ceiling that Bradley Bill has on the Wizards. And they know that, okay, the Wizards are trying to trade Bradley Bill, so we're not going to give that much up for him. And Bradley Bill, at the end of the day, has the final say-so. So it's like you're trading a star player, but you're not going to get star. You're not going to get star value for said player, which you're going to ask for. Don't get me wrong, but you're not going to get it because everyone in their mama knows you're trying to trade this player. That's just it. <laughs> but the question is where does Bradley Bill fit the most? And we've already ex- we've already explained and and we already know that Bradley Bill is not a number 1 player. However, he or not a not a yeah, not a number 1 player. However, we do know that if Bradley Bill was a 2 or Bradley Bill was a 3, that makes your team exponentially better because it takes a lot of the defensive attention that Bradley Bill would see as a one, it's that's not there anymore. He, he he doesn't get that type of attention. So the three teams that I can see, and and their names, they're not, they're, you know, their names have have been circling throughout. So this is no breaking news. I think number one would probably be the Miami Heat if they can't get Damian Lillard. I think. I, I went on uh shouts out to Mark uh Dwayne Marcus shouts out to his podcast the Goat Talk podcast. I was on his podcast a couple of days ago or maybe 2 or 3 days ago. And he was talking about we were talking about the NBA finals and we were talking about why the Miami Heat essentially lost the NBA finals. And I said and it wasn't just a, just me, the panel agreed, but I said that the Miami Heat didn't lose the NBA Finals because of defense. I know if you look at you know the the, how, the numbers that Nicole Jokic had or Jamal Murray had, they the, the Miami Heat did not lose the NBA Finals because of defense. They lost because they couldn't they couldn't buy a three. There were so many times when they were going through droughts, two, three, four minute droughts where they couldn't hit a bucket. Which, of course, was has been Miami all year or was Miami all year. So it wasn't they played really good defense. I know it's crazy when you look at the stats. They played really good defense on on the entire Nuggets team. Bam Adebayo was probably the MVP for the Miami Heat in the finals because of how good he was defensively and how good he was offensively. And that's shocking for me to say because I didn't think it was possible. But if they would have hit their shots 
I'm not going to say that they would have beat Denver, but there's a possibility they they still could be playing. So you, so you add Bradley Bill to this team. Now, yeah, you would probably have to lose Duncan Robinson and Tyler Euro and maybe a draft pick or two, but you get a high-level score. I mean, Bradley Bill, I think two years in a row, led the league in scoring. So you get that type of player on your team alongside Jimmy Butler, alongside Bam Adebayo. You have a championship-caliber team on a team that just went to the championship. And I think they have a better they, – they fare a lot better – with Bradley Bill than without him. So the number one team, again, I think Damian Lillard would be obviously better, but it, from reports, it looks like Damian Lillard is unavailable. So I think Bradley Bill to Miami would be perfect. I think that would be the number one destination for him. Number two, I would probably go Philly. No, that's a lie. Yeah, I'll go Philly, especially if they lose James Harden, which – it's more as the days go by, it's looking more and more like James Harden might be out of Philly. If he's not, we'll talk about it. But it looks like you're going to lose James Harden. So you get Bradley Bill alongside, uh, you know, Tyrese Maxey alongside Joel Embiid. Like, and Joel Embiid just won the MVP. That is a championship caliber team. And, and this is no shot to him. This is just fact. Unlike James Harden. You might not get the damn. You might not get the the mm, disappearance of Bradley Bill in the playoffs, or the the regression that you get from James Harden in the playoffs. You might not get that from Bradley Bill, and it opens up your offense. Now, if I'm Washington, right? There's no way in heaven to hell. I'm trading Bradley Bill for the, the trade I saw was for um, Tobias Harris, I think Kuzma's or whatever his name is, and like a draft pick. Ain't no way in hell. I'm if I don't get at least Tyrese Maxey, there's no conversation. But that's just me. So I think number two would probably be Philly, and number three would be I, I think would probably be the Bucks. Now this is also. I think the Bucks have different, like, you need to prioritize re-signing Brooke Lopez, need to try to prioritize re-signing Chris Middleton, and if that means that you lose out on Bradley Bill, then I understand. I mean, even without Bradley Bill, this team won a championship, what, just two years ago. So, but with Bradley Bill, the, I mean, one of the biggest, one of the biggest indictments that we have or we see against the Milwaukee Bucks is they struggle mightily in half court offense because while yes they have in, uh, really good shooters and I mean you have Grayson Allen you have uh, Chris Middleton you have Brooke Lopez they don't have a player that can really put the ball on the ground and get a solid jump shot outside of maybe Chris Middleton but Chris Middleton's health has been on the decline as far as he's been hurt multiple times last few years. You add Bradley Bill, where that's that's his specialty, you know, coming off a of pick and roll and and making something happen. That would open up so much for for Giannis, which is a scary thing to think about. And that'll just open up so much for the entire Bucks team. I mean, 
now you now Drew Holiday doesn't he, it, his scoring is now a luxury outside of a need, you know. Uh, Chris Middleton, if he if if you don't have to give him up, that Chris Middleton along with Bradley Bill and Giannis, man, come on. So I think the three teams that would benefit the most from Bradley Bill's services would be the Heat number one, Philly number two, and the Bucks number three. There's multiple teams. Like if there's a way that the the I know that the the uh Portland Trailblazers are trying to build through the draft or whatever. Or but if the Portland Trailblazers can get a Bradley Bill, that'd be something that'd be crazy. Uh Golden State, I understand that you probably have to give up Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson. I probably wouldn't do that after I mean, I know we're we're killing Clay Thompson for what happened in the playoffs, but the majority of the if you really look, Clay Thompson had the best regular season he's had in years this year uh and actually he had a pretty good first well not pretty good but the first few games of the king series he was okay so i just i wouldn't i know i know he's not clay thompson's not where he was of course before the injury defensively but i mean what do you expect he got he injured both his acls so and if you trade him, Clay Thompson, for uh, Bradley Bill, you're not getting the return defensively that you would hope. In fact, you'd be worse defensively now. Now, yes, you would have another player that can put the ball on the ground, and Clay Thompson, that's not really his specialty, but you know what I'm saying? All I'm saying is this, and let me let me conclude this section. I think that this is maybe f- four or five years too late. As far as Washington side, I think they should have been once, you know, you saw the ceiling for the John Wall, Bradley Bill uh, team. And once you realize that Bradley Bill is not an A and and that's that's another thing. The worst thing you can do is build around a player that isn't a championship caliber player. And that's again, I know this sounds like shots at Bradley Bill. It's not. One thing that you do not want to do and one thing that can really set your franchise back is building around a player that's not a championship caliber player. And as good and as great as Bradley Bill is, he is not that. I mean, you again, you see it all the time. Teams, I mean, you talk about a – bring it back. You talk about a quarterback-driven league, which I still – you know, we talked about that last episode, but the Minnesota Vikings building around Kurt Cousins, the Giants building around Daniel Jones, Washington building around whoever the hell their quarterback is, Sam Howell. Like that, that's not, that's good. <laughs> your ceiling is, you know, your ceiling is however, however good your best player is, or not best player, but the, the player that you're building around. So I think that it's, you know, it's five years too late, but I am interested to see where Bradley Bill goes. I think Bradley Bill is one of those market or he's one of those people that can change the trajectory of the NBA. Not saying that he if he goes on a team, but like he can't to me, he can't go on like the Houston Rockets and their automatic playoff. No, he can't go on the Orlando Magic and their automatic playoff team. No. But he could go to the Miami Heat and drastically change their 
their uh, their predict like their chances of making not only making it back to the NBA championship, but but winning or NBA finals, but winning one or he can drastically change the fortunes of maybe, say, a, a team like the. What's the team I didn't the, the Philadelphia 76ers. Maybe they finally get over the hump. You're hearing about the the Boston Celtics. Imagine now, yeah, you have to give up Jalen Brown and somebody, but imagine that that drastically changes, in my opinion, your I think Bradley Bill is better than Jalen Brown. That changes the 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 way that we look at the Boston Celtics. Now, yes, I think Boston ultimately needs a a point guard, but you get Bradley Bill, that's different, you know. So I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see exactly what happens with Bradley Bill, and I think that he has the potential to change the landscape of the league next year, depending on which team he ultimately goes to. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna stay on this for too long. Uh but the verdict we we know about Zion, I mean about Ja John ja Morant and everything that's gone on this offseason, uh or with the whole gun situation two times and I I said what I had to say when it first happened, so I'm not gonna elaborate on it. The 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 punishment came out and John Morant is getting twenty five games. Now, you know what this John Morant situation has kind of shown me and 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 proven to me. To me, we are living in a punishment punishment crazed society, and what I mean by that is. Well, yes, I agree that John Morant should be punished and should have been punished for what he did. And it's not, I I hear a lot of the people talk about the Second Amendment. I hear all that. But again, you're working for the, the, you're working for, if your job doesn't allow something, that's your job. And the NBA is a privately run organization that is able to make their rules. And when John Morant does what he does, which is in direct violation of the NBA's rules, of course, punishment is going to happen. But what I'm starting, what, what what this situation has shown me is, you know, people want the harshest punishment for people. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I understand punishment is important because punishment a lot of times is the only way that you can learn a lesson, but People like are literally upset that John Morant only got 25 games. Now, do I think 25 games is light? On the surface, yes, it's light. I was thinking upwards of 40 to 50 games, especially with the whole it's a toy gun thing. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's 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 gonna be they're gonna they're gonna make an example out of John. And again, on the surface, I think twenty five games is is isn't isn't a lot of games until you really look at the ramifications that this twenty five games holds. Next year, 
you know, they the CBA came to the agreement that you have to play a certain number of games to be eligible for all NBA teams and I think all-star games and, and stuff like that. And, of course, with a lot of players, in fact, most players, you get compensation and, and you get contract bonuses if you hit these marks. Like last year, I think John Mar- or this year, John Morant missed out on like thirty-eight million or thirty million dollars or something because he did not make an All NBA team, which he would have made if he wasn't suspended because of this whole gun situation. Now you're getting suspended twenty-five games, and because of CBA, you have to play a certain number of games, and with John Morant missing out or not being able to hit those marks playing that many games. He is not eligible to be on the All-NBA teams again, so he's going to miss out on even more money. So not only will he miss, I think he's coming back during Christmas or maybe Christmas Day, but you're you're ineligible now to be on the NBA team, so your pockets are getting hit yet again. I think this is probably right. I think I probably was a little um I was a little reactionary and overboard about what I thought was going to happen, but I did forget. I think if the whole game stipulation didn't happen like if you could miss 50 games and still be eligible for an all-NBA team, I think that 50 games 30 or 40 to 50 games might have been at play. But when you look at 25 and you say, oh, well, he now can't even be on an all-NBA, all-defense, all all-anything because he doesn't play enough games, I understand. So I hope that, you know, John Morant released a statement uh, saying he's sorry and learned from it. I hope that, you know, this is a sign of changed behavior uh, because if not – the NBA ain't gonna keep playing with you. Uh but yeah, that's you know, I, I, I wish nothing but the best for John Morant and he has twenty five games. And while yes, on the surface, twenty five games seems like when you look at the entire scope and the ramifications of those twenty five games, at least this year, it makes sense. And the example is clear, especially with the new CBA, the example is clear. We're not going to keep playing with you, especially when you're playing in our face. So let's move forward. Uh, I'm not going to stay on this for long either, but Michael Jordan uh, agreed to sell his majority stake of the of the Hornets ownership or the ownership of the Hornets for like three billion dollars, uh, which is huge for. I guess his legacy? No, it's not. Well, I will say this is what Michael Jordan is in a when we talk about basketball player, that is that is a legacy in and of itself. But when we talk about owner, Michael Jordan will go down as one of the worst owners in basketball. Michael Jordan, I mean there's been multiple times where he his decision making has drastically affected the the lack of success that there has been for the Hornets. 
and it when you're when your owner has as much say as Michael Jordan has had for the Charlotte Bobcats and Charlotte Hornets, that's 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 going to be a blemish. And don't and and trust and believe Michael Jordan has had a huge impact on every single move that the Hornets have done. Even changing changing names. Which and it's also big for the the African American community because Michael Jordan was the only black owner, even though, yeah, black majority stakes owner in basketball. And now with him selling it, there is none. Now yeah, there's minority owners, but minority owners and ma- my majority owners there's drastic differences like you don't really have a say so when you're a minority owner when you're a majority owner you can as we've seen with michael jordan you can make moves so i think this is big for basketball in general i think this is big for you know african americans and ownership and i hope that this doesn't uh i hope that this doesn't hinder black owners or black groups or or black african americans trying to uh in the future own a team because i don't i don't want to say well if michael jordan can't do it like i don't that's we're not doing that but i i guess i will also say shout out to michael jordan cuz i mean you you're you're 3 billion dollars up on a team you're 3 billion dollars up selling a team that hasn't really been good <laughs> Now, yes, a lot of the reasons why they haven't been good is because of your decision making, but the they have not been good, like at all. I mean, they had a couple Kimba years. Of course, they have the Mellow Ball, and they have this number two overall pick, which they may or may not draft there. But I guess shouts out to Michael Jordan for selling the team, uh, and also. Michael Jordan will go down as one of the worst owners in basketball history. I don't look at him any differently because, like I said, his bas- NBA basketball playing career is different than his ownership career. But, you know, when we talk about the totality of Michael Jordan and when we want to tell you the whole story, this has this has to be included. And he was not good at being an owner, so. Shouts out to Michael Jordan, shouts out to the Hornet, and shouts out to uh, Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnell. Those were the two leaders of a group, or two, the leaders of the group that bought um, the majority stake of the Hornets. So let's move forward. This was sneaky big news. The Golden State Warriors find themselves in a place that they've never been. Now, before people jump in my comments, I understand that Golden State has been bad. More uh, has been bad more years of their existence than they've been good. There were some incredibly low days in the Golden State Warriors organization 
back in the day. I get that. They were one of the worst franchises in in the NBA. And I also understand that the last few years, they have been incredible. You know, they we had, they had the We Believe. Then they, of course, they had Steph Curry and and this the dynasty that was and possibly is the Golden State Warriors. So when I say that they are currently in a position in a place that they've never been in, what I'm saying is they have. No, I don't think they've ever been in a position where they go from historically great or excuse me they have a possibility to go from historically great to incredibly mediocre in one offseason there have there there's moves that have to be, we talked about bob myers and we talked about how i felt it was incredibly important to try your hardest to retain bob myers and they ultimately weren't able to do that. There are so many decisions, especially with the new CBA in the in the first and second apron, which which has dire consequences being in that second apron. And pretty much this new CBA and the whole aprons and everything is in direct core direct results or is a direct result of the spending habits that the Golden State Warriors have and the fact of they have not cared about the the MB, the, the the scoring limit or the 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 scoring or the not scoring the spending limits in the in the salary cap they have not cared about the salary cap because they, they understand if we pay the salary cap or we pay as whatever the penalties are and it ultimately ends up in a, as a championship, it, it's all worth it. So the new CBA was like, oh, yeah, we can't keep doing that. The CBA was this new CBA rules is pretty much built to break up the Golden State Warriors. And we saw the first domino fall, which, of course, was Bob Myers. So when I say that the Golden State Warriors are are in a spot they've never been in before in, in one of the most important off seasons of their franchise, they have to make the their decisions, their current decisions is going to drastically affect the entire franchise moving forward. And I think that it started with, of course, losing Bob Myers. But I think the first big move that they made, which was really smart, was was hiring Mike Dunleavy Jr. as the GM. I mean, he's been with the organization for God knows how long. Um, he studied under Bob Meyer. He was he was pretty much on that staff. And you want to get someone that's familiar with the culture, that's familiar with the team, that's familiar with the stars. You want to get somebody you, it, trying to get. I don't know how his decision making is going to be because, I mean, there's a difference between an assistant coach and a head coach. We've seen that time and time again. There's a difference between like an assistant GM or or an assistant to the GM and a GM or president of basketball scouting and president of basketball operations are two completely different things. So I don't know how Mike Dunleavy is going to be, you know, as far as with that in that position. But I do think that it was smart that you hire someone that's in-house that at least seems competent enough to to make the right decisions 
Now, yes, you have to. You, I think it's very imperative to try to get a deal done with uh, Draymond Green, and hopefully he's able to take less. I heard um, Brian Windhorst talk about this, and it's in, and it was it was incredibly smart. And I totally forgot about this. There, the what the Golden State Warriors are hoping, and what you hope as a Golden State Warriors fan in hopes of extending this dynasty is Andrew Wiggins, after winning, playing the best he's ever played, uh, of course, being a very key component to Golden State ultimately winning a championship last year, he got paid, but he also took a, a team-friendly pay cut. What, you're, what, what the Golden State Warriors is hoping is that Draymond Green and Klay Thompson see this, and they also see how this year ended and takes the same type of pay cut. Now, I also understand that Klay Thompson and Draymond Green have attributed to more championships and, and more of a winning legacy than Andrew Wiggins has, but I, you, you see what I'm saying. And then, of course, you're going to have to see if you can trade a Jonathan Kaminga or trade a, a Jordan Poole to try to get under that salary cap. So there are so many decisions that Golden State needs to make as a whole team, not just as the front office. But you need a competent person in the front office as the GM to make tough decisions and to to understand the culture and, and build on the culture. And I think Mike Dan or Mike Dunlavey Jr. has shown that he is the the right guy for the job. Of course, we'll have to see, but at least right now, I think that it was a very smart hire. And lastly, before we go, I wanted to shout out Team USA for beating Mexico uh, to advance to the Concafca Nations League finals. Uh, now, yes, they they just they beat. Mexico 3-0 and at the end it was it was crazy they had red cards all over the place I think it was like four red cards the crowd was yelling racial racial oh no homophobic obscenity it was just it was ugly but Team USA men's Team USA did ultimately win and advance the Concafca Nations League finals Uh, I think when we talk about soccer Right or football, whatever, you, however you want to call it, however you deem it, there is a obvious ceiling when we talk about both the men's and the women's soccer. I think the ceiling obviously is higher for the women's soccer than it is for the men's. Uh, I I could see. I mean, we know how good the women's team has been, and especially when we talk about the World Cup, the women's soccer or women's football. U.S. women's football is is the cream of the crop when we talk about the world. When we talk about, you know, they're always in contention in World Series, and it's it's actually kind of a shock if they don't win the World Series. And as far as the women's, the men's, however, football when we talk about the men's side is is drastically better in different countries, and I mean different players. Hell, we didn't even talk about. I didn't talk about on this show Messi uh, going to Miami and how he has drastically changed the changed the outlook and changed the popularity and increased the popularity of the MLS just with him being in Miami.
and and, and it's when we talk about Argentina, Portugal, Brazil, uh, France, Germany, there there's multiple teams that are drastically better than Team USA men's national team. And when we talk about you know some of the smaller, less, I'm not gonna say less important, but some of the less known tournaments like the Concafca. Uh, where you have a shot of winning. I think the this is the ceiling that Team USA men's national team should live in and, and should should thrive in. I mean, Christian Pulisic, I think he had like two goals. He is he's one of the best football players in the entire world. He is one of the best. However, it, when you know, when we talk about Christian when we talk about Ronaldo, when we talk about Mbappe, when we talk about Lionel Messi, when we talk about Neymar, you know, it's like, ooh, you know. So all I'm saying is this, man. Congratulations to the men's for making it to the CONCACAFCA Nationals League final, and I hope that they ultimately win it all. But this is the realm that they should live in, and this is the realm where they they should definitely thrive in. You know, this is where they are at their best. So... Um, shouts out to them. Shout out to them. And there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. I'm trying to get to a thousand uh, YouTube subscribers by my birthday. I don't know if it's gonna happen. My birthday is July 20th. I'm trying to get there. I think I'm at 833. Uh, so I appreciate all the help. Uh, you know, I, I keep pushing out content daily, pretty much uh, new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday, of course. But if you can, please help. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe. But it definitely, definitely means a lot to me. And again, I'm trying to hit my goal of a thousand, which, by the way, never really thought that that was an, uh, an accomplishable goal when I first started this. Let me let me add that. But I'm trying to reach the goal of a thousand YouTube subscribers by my birthday, and I'm at like 8:33. So, anything would help. Uh, also, please subscribe to or follow the 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 social medias. You know, follow the Instagram, follow the TikTok. Again, I pretty much. If you want to have a conversation with me, if you, I, I, I'm pretty much in the YouTube comments as well, but. If you comment on any any response you get from the unpopular podcast page is me personally. I it's it's all me. So definitely follow Instagram, TikTok. Please subscribe to the YouTube. It definitely means a lot to me, man. Uh, and until next time, much love.